We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Stephen. I am your host. And joining me today is a very special guest, Mr. Connor Rogers. You might recognize him from the NFL Stock Exchange. Also recently, NBC Sports Fantasy Football Happy Hour. Also recently engaged. So congrats, Connor. Thank Thanks you. for joining me today. How are you doing, man? I'm good, Stephen. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. It was, uh, it was a fun uh, exchange over email. I had to get you on. I've been wanting to get you on, obviously, for... For a little bit here and finally we're able to to make it happen so i'm um, excited to dive into the draft and uh, g- get some of your thoughts on this class so um first and foremost i gotta ask just out of curiosity what's uh aaron Rodgers watch like in uh, new york land right now it's changed a lot right when before the mcafee uh appearance it was literally like devouring my life <laughs> because a couple of, I do Jets spring post game for SMY, which is the part, the TV partner for the Jets. And obviously we wanted to react on the spot. And then, you know, a couple other things. I do my own Jets pod Badlands, which that's a little bit more flexible. But when it felt like it was so close to decision time, we didn't know that the decision was I want to play for the Jets. I intend to play for the Jets. The Packers intend on trading him. That was like, okay, we're going to have something big to react here. Yeah. Where I, dude, I that weekend, the weekend before he we went on McAfee, I had canceled. Like, I was going to go out to dinner with my now fiance that Friday. Canceled it. So, like, we'll do it Saturday. <laughs> It'll be done by then. Canceled that. Like, I just couldn't be that far from my apartment in case. Because it's it's the biggest storyline for the Jets in, in yeah. how long. And uh, so then when he did McAfee, it's, like, kind of tempered down. Because it's like this trade is going to get done. We have an idea of what it'll look like, or at least parameters that we think are close. And when it happens, it kind of it kind of drains some of the excitement, but sure. it's also still like you know it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I uh, got some hammering out to do uh, before that gets done, but I imagine that was kind of a a relief. You know, I think like the first the first few minutes of that where he was like, "Oh, I haven't made a decision yet. This is not decision day." You're like, "Really? Come on, what are we doing here?" It's shocking, right? Like I expected it to go down that road where I'm like, "We're not going to get any answers," and. <laughs> 
and the Jets fans have their fear of like, what if he just retires or wants to go play in Green Bay and all the quarterbacks are gone? So yeah. the, the worst is to fear is behind them. And now it's, it's just waiting for this actual trade to be hammered out, which is uh, it just feels like it'll drag on until the draft at this point. Yeah, certainly seems that way. So, um, all right, we'll, we'll move into some more casual draft talk here. Um, I think a lot of people have said uh, things that they don't like about this draft class. And I think we've heard about how, you know, it's you know, not super deep and everything. Um, so I want to kind of start on more of a positive note with you. What are some of your favorite parts or aspects of this draft class? Well, first off, I appreciate that because it's it's funny. Like when you cover the draft year round, I really start next year's class, usually May of every year. And, mm. and I'll have a good baseline uh, by the end of July or August of top fives of position groups. Nothing crazy, but a baseline. And when you spend that much time on it, it does kind of stink when people are like, well, this draft sucks. Who cares? Yeah. It's like, well, no, like there's a lot of really good football players in this draft. And it just because it doesn't have 15 bona fide stars, right? You look at like 2021's draft and how we'll always look back at that. And you're right. It's there are uh, it's loaded at corner. It's loaded at corner. I, I mean, two guys can go in the top 10 and Witherspoon and Gonzalez. I think Deontay Banks, and Joey Porter Jr. can go top 20. I think Cam Smith, Keely Ringo, uh, on and on we go, can go in the first round. Like DJ Turner is in this conversation. There are so many really good, talented players mm-hmm. at cornerback. I think ta- I think offensive line actually has a lot more depth than I realize. And this happens every year. Every year when we get to this point of the year, when various analysts and teams because offensive line work in the NFL is done heavily by the coaching staff. When the scouts scout, of course, but the offensive line coach and the assistant offensive line coach, when they watch the tape, those guys have a big voice in what offensive linemen are picked. Now you're actually getting into the nitty gritty tape of the offensive line. And you're like, okay, like I knew about Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky, Broderick Jones, Darnell Wright, um, uh, Dewan Jones. Like those guys are going in the first round. And, like, you have all these centers, like John Michael Schmitz and Luke Whippler and Joe Tittman and Steve Avila. But um, when you look in, you know, a little deeper than that, there are guys like Oluwatimi from Michigan. Like, he, he's played a lot of football, and he's a really, really good player. How about Emil uh, Echior from Alabama, who's been mm-hmm. a guard but can play center? Of course, Osiris Torrance is in that mix. It's just a lot deeper than that. So I like the corner class. I like the offensive line class. It's very deep at tight end. It's very deep at running back. I, I mean, there are a lot of talented players in this draft. So everybody thinks this is a bad draft. They're just saying it doesn't have the star power that they dreamed of. At sure. the and I think there's a little, and I work in the fantasy industry, so it's, this isn't an insult. I think there's a little fantasy impact of when it's not a great wide receiver class that somehow yeah. turns into, into being a bad draft. And that's just not real football. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely part of it. This receiver class to me has a lot of value on day two, but it doesn't have like those star guys on, on you know day one, and that kind of impacts things there. I want to get your thoughts on that because everybody wants the Chargers to take a receiver, right? Everybody wants you know Quentin Johnston or Zay Flowers or you know insert receiver here. What what would you make of the Chargers being in on receiver in the first round? I mean, obviously they have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they have Josh Palmer, who they like. Is this the right class to take, you know, wide receiver if you have, you know, some bona fide guys already in that room? I, I lean no. I really do, especially when you hold on to your day two draft capital, right? I, I believe mm. 54 and 85. I, yeah. I mean, I like the depth of the wide receiver class on day two to get a viable starting player. 
rather than maybe getting a tick above that caliber in at 21. I like, yeah. honestly, I, and here's the thing. Wide receiver has become as important as ever in the league. Everybody wants to be three deep uh, at high end three. Everybody wants to have, you know, a true number one and then really two number twos. But it's the reality to live in that is very difficult to pull off, especially with the salary cap era. I think everybody, you know, at 21, could you probably get the first wide receiver off the board? There's a chance. There really is. On the flip side of that, could you land a, a top flight corner? Could you continue to beef up your trenches? Yeah, I really think so. And then still get that wide receiver with your other top 60 pick, whether that's a Cedric Tillman. It, the problem for me is, right, and I come back to this a lot, like you brought up Zay Flowers, mm-hmm. and I really like Zay Flowers. He's a good player. I don't know if I'm taking a small wide receiver in, in the top 25. Yeah. I just – and people kind of look at me and they're – and I'm like, it's it's become a newer thing for me. I used to fall in love with small wide receivers and overrank them like crazy. Now I look at this draft, and once again, I really like Safe Flowers. But if I like that kind of wide receiver, why am I just not trying to get Josh Downs, Tank Dell, Marvin Mims later? Like, like right. honestly, especially when you, you have a great quarterback, you trust in your play calling, you believe in the skill talent around this wide receiver. Let's assume Eckler's back, they figure it out. Like, I don't know. I, I don't really lean that way. And if you're going to do it as much as I don't like Quentin Johnston as a top 21 selection, at least taking him is showing that like, okay, this was the bigger X kind of guy we wanted. So that's why we took him here. I understand the actual process of that rather than taking a guy that could be replicated on day two. Yeah. I think that to me is, is the biggest differentiating factor, right? Cause Quentin Johnson, I mean, he, he came in at six, two and a half, I think it was at the combine. Yeah. But he has all of those physical traits to potentially become a wide receiver one. And I think that separates him in this class. And I think, you know, for me, there's not much of a difference, like you're saying, between taking Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt. You know, Jalen Hyatt's stock has kind of you know, yeah, tanked a little bit recently. Um, but Zay for versus Marvin Mims or like Tyler Scott, like I, I just there's no difference for me for the Chargers. Like I think that does the same thing. I, I like people will want to take Zay Flowers at 21 and feed him 10 targets, but it's like. You have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler and Gerald Everett and all these guys, Josh Palmer. Like, you just don't have the targets for a You're looking for a hero. You don't need right. one. Right. Yeah. So, I, I'm with you. I mean, it, if you get a complimentary role player that serves as your wide receiver three, but, like, is he even that when you look at Eckler's targets, like you said, the tight end targets on the table? I, I mean, sure, you want to protect yourself against wide receiver injury, especially the Chargers who have dealt with that plenty. But I don't know. I just I, – I try to – rank the players the way I can. And then when I go into the team lens, like we are right now for the chargers and I'm guilty of this. I remember on stock exchange, I took Hyatt once and I felt really boxed into a corner where I didn't really like how the board fell on that mock draft. And that was pretty combined. A a lot has changed for Hyatt. The weight's not great. He didn't run as well as you'd hoped. He ran well, but not great. Um, There's a lot of various reasons that you can't even get into. I just don't really think he's a first round wide receiver uh, because the combine was really going to be his calling card and it didn't go as great as it should have where I just look at it for the chargers and like, you know, maybe Cedric Tillman in the second round, he's a big bodied wide receiver that can, that can really handle the outside. And, um, you know, and I'd be curious your thoughts. So like when you get away from the wide receiver conversation uh, at round one, what are the pivot points that the fan base often gravitate to that they view as one of those high priority needs? I, well, on our show, we talk, we've talked a lot about getting another pass rusher in full. And I think I've you know never, responded on never on can go wrong you guys with and, that. You know, we'll we'll see what happens, right? Like Nolan Smith ran a four sub four four. Like you know, his hype is kind of crazy right now. Yeah, yeah it's nuts. 
um so like if you're talking about like will mcdonald range like bj Mm -hmm. ojalari i like those players but at 21 that's that's a little rich for me so i feel like just kind of looking at where the way this draft kind of is is pegged to go they might be kind of like boxed into taking one of the tight ends and i went to utah i love dalton Kincaid. i know you're not a huge fan he's a good Um, player he's just not a a player player. that i take in round one no i i understand that you know he hasn't tested yet and i don't think he's going to test great having watched him for three years but they might get into that spot right where it's like okay Michael Mayer kind of checks a lot of boxes for us. He's a safer pick. He kind of did the same thing with Zion Johnson last year. So that might be the pick. But, you know, you've brought up on on the stock exchange kind of the the cornerback market, and you had them taking Deontay Banks recently. Is this maybe a draft you trade up and go be aggressive and get, you know, a Joey Porter or Deontay Banks, if that's kind of what you're, you're feeling? Because it just kind of seems like there's a drop-off after 15 in terms of, like, premier talent in this in this class. That's the tricky part is I think Washington looks at corner. I think the Steelers could look at corner. The Chargers are in the spot, right, where it's like, okay, well, do they get the luxury of the run? Do they get the luxury of the run that one of the big four makes it to them? Or, or mm-hmm. do you find yourself in the Cam Smith, you know, that kind of range, which you, re- you don't really want to drop to that tier if you're going to go corner. I think the thing that, would worry me is Baltimore jumping the chargers because I I have been on this for a while. Baltimore is all over the corner class and at 22, like, are they just going to take the guy that's there? That's a weird way to operate and not really effective. So if the chargers want one of those corners, yeah, you would have to be aggressive to move up, but I don't know if I love the the idea of the chargers moving up because I want to hold on to those day two picks to go back to the well at skill town again. So Yep. It's the classic catch 22. Um, if you fell in love with the corner and you think you can go up and get Porter. Yeah. That's something I'm, I'm probably considering, but I think it would cost a premium in this draft because everybody wants these dang corners. Yeah. So you said top four. So Deontay Banks is in that same conversation for you. I think he's gotten there. Yeah. I mean, I think he's gotten there for the draft, right? I, I pull up my rankings right now and I have him. Let's pull this up. So I have Banks. At 30th overall and Cam Smith 28th overall, but that's not how the draft is going to go. Banks is going to go top 25, and I think he'll go before Cam. Um, but, you know, to have, God, to have, what, five corners in the top 30, like that's that's a heavy, heavy dose of corner. That's just how good yeah. this class is. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of dudes in this corner class. So we'll pivot away here and get to some day two guys before we get you out of here. Um, you're talking about the skill player talent. Again, the Chargers could certainly target a day one tight end. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Maybe not in the second round. We'll see what happens. But some day two tight ends. Who's kind of got your eye in that regard? I mean, I really like Tucker Craft a lot. I I really do. I just think he's going to make the jump from the FCS and be a good receiving threat, hold his own as a blocker. Um, It feels like everything's kind of come back to reality with the tight end class. It felt like there was a time where – like Luke Musgrave and Dalton Kincaid were going yeah. in the top 20 and it's, you love their upside with Kincaid. It's not even upside to me. Like I know exactly what he is. He, he yeah, has, he's 24. There's not much. No, much but he, he has, he has great hands. Maybe the best hands in the draft. He's an effective route runner. I don't think he's going to give you much in line, but he's somebody that's a, a polished receiving tight end with ball skills that will translate mm-hmm. with Musgrave. He's been hurt so much. You're just hoping that that speed is for real. 
Um, I think both those guys are more top of round two. You know, when it comes down to the draft, I don't value Musgrave that way, but I think it'll happen. I think Darnell Washington's gone. I think Michael Mayer's gone. So then you go into Tucker Craft, Sam Laporta, guys that could do a little bit of everything, that can hold their own in line. They can really, you know, function in that eight to 12 yard kind of range to move the chains. So, yeah, that sweet spot of still being in the top 60 with the second pick, that's where you're looking at guys like Kraft and maybe even Laporta as a round three option as well um, when it's all said and done. But I really think those guys will be effective starters and they kind of counter the constant argument of why you should never take a tight end in round one Mm -hmm. unless they're kind of a freak show like Washington and Mayer, which I really think they are and Washington in a different mold. But it's a tough position to draft in the first round. Yeah, there's not a ton of historical precedents working out. I mean, there's no. fine players like you guys have talked about. Like Evan Ringham is fine. You know, is that somebody who, you know, really draft in the first round? Hayden Hurst has become kind of like a decent tight end, but it's a tough start. Right. Yeah. Right. So. All right. Last question here. Uh, Chargers will be in the market on day three for some defensive guys. So who are some of your favorite defensive sleepers? Oh, day three. Oh, man. Across the board. I mean, I'll give you one if you want to go back to the pass rush. Well, not really a sleeper because the 10 yard split at the combine just like put him on everyone's radar. But Yaya Diaby, mm. I just think he was misused at Louisville. Like I watch him play and I'm like, why are they kicking this guy in so much? And <laughs> his calling card is his ability to get off the ball and yeah. set up speed on the outside shoulder of the tackle. And they move him in all the time. I'm like, and you know what? I always go back to this. Like I'm not in the, I'm not working for a college program. Like, I don't know their needs. I don't know how desperate they get at certain areas. It's easy for sure. me to sit here and complain because they're not catering to my needs as an evaluator. <laughs> like, I, so like, it's really stupid to complain about this. So they, they have to win football games. I want right. to see what they can do in the NFL. Diaby is someone to me that like that 10 yard is real. It's real on okay. film to get off the ball. If you throw him on the field as a passing uh, pass rush specialist on passing downs and you're like, Hey, line up wide, maybe even at like a seven, and just get off the ball and turn that corner, I think he'll be a more effective player than he was in college. So that's definitely one for me. Um, You know, and then you you always have some boring ones as well, right? Like Isaiah Foskey is kind of a boring edge to me, but he's a good player. He's a really good player. He's strong. He can hold his own in the trenches. He's got the long arm, uh, really, really good pursuit. He plays really, really hard. He could probably eventually be a full-time player in terms of downs one through three. So like those are guys to me that they're, and, you know, he's not a day three player, Foskey. He's definitely a day two player. But no, he, nobody really talks about him in that kind of light. Sure. Um, man, you look at somebody like Jartavius Martin from Illinois that tested really well. Like, he was their slot corner safety hybrid. He's okay. somebody that was projected in round five, and I think his combine might get him into round three or four at this point. Coverage skills, he could tackle. Um, once again, a really, really good mover. Very, very competitive um, you know, was tested in coverage. Sure, he gave up yards, but he also battled back. That's kind of the argument with Banks. So this class has players. Uh, they have a lot of weird, uh, like, linebackers that are, like, almost dimebackers that yep. can really so help. So many. Like, Dorian Williams, I love, from Tulane. He tested well. He, he had a big year. He found the football. He, he loves coverage. He's probably not going until day three. But if you had me pick a guy that I know in – Nickel situations, which is really base defense. I'll say more dime situations. I need a backer on the field that can run sideline to sideline, that can flip his hips and get over on a wheel route. Like, that's Dorian Williams. And if I can get that guy on day three, that can get you off the field, especially when you play in the AFC against Mahomes, against Burrow, on and on and on. So, 
yeah, it's I I love the draft, and I find guys like this to to be guys that nobody cares about until they start winning you games. And these guys are in every single draft: good draft, great draft, bad draft. They're in every single draft. Yeah, you know, to your point, uh, the three three five stuff in the Big Twelve yeah. drives me crazy, man. I yeah. hate like Will McDonald. They, they put Will McDonald at nose a couple of times. I'm like, what are we oh, doing? Dude, it's it's utterly ridiculous. It's uh. It's like a mix, like a hybrid of like CFL seven on seven. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it's all over the place and it's, yeah, you just, the good thing is like, especially at PFF, we've been able to evaluate the reps that matter the most of what a team is going to ask them to do, not what they had to do in college because, you know, Texas tech had a thriller against, uh, I mean, I sound so, uh, you know, like a curmudgeon, but it's just, I'm not like a college football fan right like I, I didn't like i don't root for a team i love the sport i'm a fan of the sport but like so for me i'm always looking at everything in a draft lens of like sure. okay i love seeing this but the, it is its own unique game and that's what makes it special to all the college fans but it's another layer of the draft process yeah absolutely absolutely agree there so uh connor this has been great man lots of great insight very much appreciate your time yeah um what's uh what's coming down the line on the stock exchange that uh draft nerds like me can uh, be looking forward to over the next couple of weeks hey i won't give away the full thing but a twist to the mock drafts on monday it's mm. like a really big twist that okay. i because we love doing them and you gotta do them but i also don't want to just you know sign seal deliver the same show every monday so yeah. i we found a really unique way to make the mock drafts uh, wildly different every single week leading up to the draft. So that's coming down the pipeline. Um, I've been in Trevor's year about us, uh, like not forgetting to do the quarterback rankings. We have to rank the quarterback <laughs> somehow. We'd never do that. So yeah, I just finished up the top seven of those and, and found myself a little surprised on the back end more than I initially thought the top end, not at all the back end, not, uh, you know, definitely some surprise, some pleasant surprises. So yeah, I mean, it will roll on, and and by the time we get to the draft, we'll be uh, we'll be pretty deep on how many players we've covered, and so it makes it so fun. Yeah, love it. Love you guys' work over there. Thank you, man. Exchange. You guys do some great work. Uh, strongly encourage all of our listeners to go check them out. Uh, Dropping shows uh, three times a week, I believe. So make sure and go check them out. And then uh, if you're in the New York area, make sure and follow Connor on uh, social media for all the New York stuff. So. Connor, thanks so much for joining, man. Hope you guys have a a great rest of the draft season, and we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Thanks so much, Stephen. We certainly will.